0: Oh, I guess we're live. My one monitor, six seconds behind. I guess we're on a delay in case Derek says something inappropriate.
1: Yes, I dropped one of my famous four-letter F-bombs. Ford.
0: Yes. <laughs> I heard a totally off the cuff and nothing we discussed in the pre-show. Oh, great. And, and <laughs> we're going to jump this right off to very adult content quickly. Maybe I shouldn't,
1: but... is this is it, Are we doing the After Hours episode? <laughs>
0: I don't know. I, I heard this on a podcast that is put out there and children and people listen to it. I'll even give her credit where I heard the joke is on the Kim Commando podcast. And she was talking about buying Fords. And the problem is, if you put a certain word in front of any Ford model, it really changes the whole aspect. Because we have the Ford Steva, We have the Ford Focus. We have the Ford Probe. We have the Ford Edge. If you put the word anal in front of it, go through your list of Ford names and think of how exciting it could be. And as pointed out in her show, maybe that's why we don't have the Ford Taurus anymore, because it doesn't work.
1: Well, if you remember the Bob and Tom show and their old joke about the Taurus from Pinkley Motors.
0: Oh, Uh, I remember that one. Kind of along that line. You say Bob and Tom, I've been listening to their podcast quite often lately. As a matter of fact, I even purchased, uh, what do I want to say? Let me go. I even purchased the Valentine's present from IHateStevenSinger.com.
1: I don't follow that, so I have no idea what you're talking about, John.
0: I Hate Steven Singer has been a sponsor of the Bob and Tom show since 1996.
1: Well, I'm okay, I remember that name. I just don't know what you're talking about, about the Valentine's Day gift. I don't follow it that Oh, I Brandy's
0: Valentine's Day gift from IHateStevenSinger.com.
1: Okay. Probably move on to Car Talk.
0: Yeah, we probably should. Well, we we started with Car Talk. I started talking about Fords.
1: Yeah, true. The four-letter F word that
0: you're not supposed to say. Yeah, and I went to the four-letter A where we really aren't supposed to say. Yeah. Well, let me tap my papers because we've got John Stewart back on uh, Comedy Central, too
1: i missed it i gotta catch Uh, up
0: watch it it's 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 on paramount plus and it's on youtube yeah it'll be back on monday nights
1: that's that's the problem with having kids john things happen you wind up running late to things you wind up not being able to you know tv shows you want to watch so
0: start your podcast on time
1: exactly
0: (laughs) that's okay i had technical issues as soon as you arrived, so we we both are guilty uh I'm going to throw back to episode 331 that we threw did uh, about 10 episodes ago since we've kind of been on the daily show. And there's some reasons we've done that, but not, well, uh, not the, John Stewart's daily uh,
1: show. Yeah, just to clarify that, because <laughs> we just talked about John Stewart's daily show.
0: <laughs> Our daily show. But we did the episode, Don't Save the Manuals. And, of course, I'm in the boat. Let's just get rid of the damn things. So it's It's something to talk about. And, oh, I want to have them because this makes me the you know, purist, blah, 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 and you get your horse and buggy. And what I found interesting is that while they haven't referenced our show, but I've posted our links in a lot of the conversations, it's become like a point of topic or a conversation again, that let's save the manuals. Manuals are better. I enjoy driving a manual. And I just like the way that we're on the, sometimes we're on the cusp of the social media conversations.
1: I like to call it the cutting edge and there, yes. there's been a number of times that has happened. I I, I and, you know, thrown this out and I didn't have time to prepare and look back, but I recall many times when we have talked about topics on the show and within a week or two, uh, you know, my friend runs an article about it or yeah, you know, the other major magazine, social media accounts, all of a sudden there's a topic, you know, an article out about something we talked about a couple weeks before. And uh, so that's that's why everyone should listen to No Driving Gloves, because we're usually on that cutting edge.
0: And that's one of the reasons we're going back to this live stream. Of course, this is a test of the live stream. Uh, the normal live streams will be Thursday nights at 9 o'clock, beginning officially on February 29th. We might do a surprise pop-up episode on the 22nd.
1: But we might, we might.
0: And We'll see how that all work works into the thing. But we're doing a test show today just to see how the YouTube stream works. We're not going to Facebook, and I'm going to try to possibly even throw Instagram into there. So we'll see where we end up on on what live streams and what channels. And I'm going to throw out something here. Uh, it's coming out of my own pocket, and I didn't say it. Tell Derek that I was going to do it, but I think I've mentioned it in the past. We've talked about you guys sharing the show, and we want to get a few more listeners to the show. We're trying to build up the audience and that's why we've been experimenting with a few things over the last couple of months. And what I want to do is I'm going to ask you to share the show. If you like the show, share it on your social media and tag us. If you tag us, I'm going to note that you've tagged us. And once a month, we're going to do a randomized drawing and I'm going to give you a $25 Amazon gift card. Uh, just get you to share the show a little bit and you know a little bit to do it it's it's a luck of the draw thing only american you know only offer this in america usa uh because of international issues in that i talked to a podcaster this week that was trying to figure out how to ship his prize to russia oh lord do you see what the issue there is? <laughs> I pointed out that you might not want to do that. There's these things called sanctions right now.
1: And, and you don't want to visit from, you know, the AA or <laughs> anybody like that. So, you know,
0: he suggested, well, maybe I'll just send him the cash for the value of the prize. Yeah. <laughs> that might so, even be worse than sending them the price.
1: That's true. <laughs> yeah. So it, we're, we're going to develop a tagline and, uh, So I think it's going to be something to the effect of help us grow, share the show.
0: Oh, Derek's got it. Maybe that'll be his, um, well, I can't say my tagline at the end of the show, because then you'll think the show's over. Yeah, we'll wait at the end. And if you put Ford in front of it, it could really be funny. So and the other little small topic before we dive into a main topic is this. There was a football game about a week ago. Might have been a week ago today or was it a week ago yeah it's a week ago today because they put it on a Sunday night for some stupid reason a lot of absent car manufacturers it used to be a big show where a lot of manufacturers would discuss their cars and have an advertisement for their cars and I believe only Kia General Motors and Stellantis maybe Toyota purchased a a commercial yes they're expensive in that but they were used to be cool. You introduced something fabulous or you created this little micro movie. And I was just, just something that crossed my mind is, is this the beginning of the end? We talk a lot about how cars or everyday things are thought of as appliances. I mean, one refrigerator commercial during this football game, if you're lucky. So have cars just become appliances? And that's what we think of them now when we the cup manufacturers know you're just when you want one or you're ready to buy one, you're going to go buy one. And there's no need to invest in a commercial, in a show that is seen live by 140 plus million people, let alone the number of YouTube videos that go out about highlighting the advertising during this program and the social media shares and the discussions and, you know, watch the show or this football game, and then walk Mm. away. But the game's talked about, and just as often as the game's talked about, the commercials are talked about for the next few days. So you probably do get exposure to 300 million plus people. Why would you not advertise in there unless you just think of your product as a refrigerator and people are just going to come buy one when they need one?
1: Well, I'm going to say this, John, because I and of course, this is just kind of us shooting random talk topics off but i have no idea where i saw the article but there was an article put out i think just before uh that football game and it was actually talking about how little the the commercials actually helped the companies that put them out uh they spent a ton of money on those spots and somebody you know again remember what article it was where i found it but there was discussion in it that, you know, they, it really doesn't help sales. Uh, It's, it's just kind of a get talk about you, but they really don't see increases from sales on a lot of those commercials. And so I almost wonder if the situation we're in right now in the auto industry, the fact that they probably looked at it and thought, you know, Aren't going to really elevate sales. All of that factored together just made the decision that, eh, you know, we don't need to have a commercial in the big game.
0: I've read ads like that and it goes back to me. It's kind of throwing this podcast advertising. There's companies, big companies that are advertised on podcasts and they buy a three or six month contract. And after a month or two, they don't see any results. So they back out of the deal and then a month or two later they're coming back going hey wait a second that code is starting to be used people are catching on maybe you don't see a bump in january or february i guess this game game was in february but it's brand awareness it keeps you focused i mean we about apple because of apple in 1984 that's 40 years ago and we you know we Some of these ads that it just, it's just a presence. It's a brand awareness. We talk about, you know, Ford was absent from the Super Bowl. And they, they didn't support the Super Bowl, but General Motors was there. It's, it seems odd. And then you can jump this to the pulling out of auto shows and bigger, you know, bigger around cars. It's just a interesting marketing thing. And as we've said, we want to focus interviews with people that are relevant to a topic. And this is a topic I would like to explore. So if you are out there as an ad agency or an advertising executive that has some opinion or knowledge on this more than just a couple of car people sitting around a microphone on a Sunday morning or Thursday night. Shoot me a line producer at no driving gloves.com. We'd like to talk to you, we'd like to analyze this a little bit more. I think
1: we might know some people we can drag into this.
0: We got this. No, we know a lot of people. So, we were we did throw out a topic. You want to enlighten us on why this topic came up, Derek, and the story behind it?
1: So uh, is this the one we we texted about, John? Is this, yes, this is the so one make that, sure right that kind
0: of slipped my mind.
1: Oh, okay, good, good. All right, so, uh, yeah, so we. Talking and and as everybody knows, John and I, you know, communicate shows and <laughs> topics, things like that, you know. And uh, over a message, oh, uh, probably a week or so ago, and uh, wanted to know if we should talk about buying stock vehicles versus buying modified vehicles because he ran across a, I believe it was a Facebook Marketplace post or maybe just a a, a post on Facebook. Uh, that was gentleman was selling a C six grand sport stock grand sport. Okay. And one of the comments on the post was quote, this guy is nuts selling a stock C six grand sport for $40,000. I can buy a thousand horsepower modified Corvette for 50,000 close quote. So the topic question is uh, really, you know, where should we stand in this world uh, of used cars, slightly used cars, whatever we want to talk about, uh, you know, buying stock and buying a modified car, you know, where, where should we stand on that? So yeah, Yeah, I think it's a good
0: topic. I replied to this guy that if history is anything, and especially with Corvettes, a stock Corvette, the rule used to be if you did a thousand dollars worth of a modification to a Corvette, You could take a thousand dollars off basically the NADA or whatever suggested retail price because modifying a Corvette originality is the key. And we've seen it time and time again in the auctions. I mean, there yeah, a car that goes through with that's been preserved or restored that you know it's historically accurate modifications, but the big it's they never bring as much money as a a stock Corvette. I mean, you could have the exception of like maybe the Corvette, Mark Harmon's movie, uh, Corvette Summer. That might bring a few bucks more. But there's a line in a James Dean song, all the Jade could see were my six tail lights. And he's talking about, you know, a mid-year. 63 to 67, which a popular modification was six taillights. You put a, a, a additional pair of taillights on the car. When's the last time you saw a six taillight Corvette in the real world?
1: Are you asking the guy that lived five years as director of collections at the Corvette Museum or just well, your even, average person? I, I'm
0: ger- generally asking, but even the guy that lived his life around Corvettes for five years, how many? Were, were there numerous ones that you saw?
1: surprisingly there were quite a few out there um and and there are guys that collect corvettes that look for those cars and actually preserve them with the six taillights there's there's the other group that gets them and takes the third tail light out each side puts a fiberglass patch over and returns it back to you know the standard lights uh you know so it's kind of divided, and and I never really saw that uh, that conversion affect the uh, value of the mid-year Corvette too much. Now, the big one, the big one on mid-year Corvettes is whether or not the, the split window of the 63 was cut out and a 64 back glass put in. That's the big one that is probably one of the main controversies around modifications of the C2 Corvette. So that one's a little more interesting, but I'm going to go back to the auctions that you brought up, John, because, you know, for a long time, especially in the Corvette world, but I think in the world automotive world in general, we did see, you know, most modified cars bring a lot of, you know, as much as a, an original stock restored or preserved car. And there are, you know, there are, break down in that like you said a a historic modified car right because there's a lot of those out there that bring a lot of money you know um ed roth cars big daddy ed roth you know those are in a different classification but i think there's a there's been a turning point over the last few years because even at i think it was at barrett jackson in january out in scottsdale a mid-year Corvette that had been heavily modified and we'll use the term that I don't think any of us on this show like, because we've brought out this resto mod classification of vehicles, which if you haven't heard our discussion on that, John will tell you what show it was because I don't have the show list in front of me. Um,
0: Just about all shows.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it, or I want to say it went for over a million dollars. And part of that plays into the shop that builds it, right? So, you know, we even think about our, you know, former co-host, Posey, who's at Garage and, and getting a lot of traction lately in his builds. You know, his cars are going to wind up, in some cases, in the future, I bet, going for more money than one of the stock versions that's been restored. So, there's also that tipping point in the collector car world that I think we're seeing on modified cars versus stock, uh, restored, preserved cars. It also I think goes to the level of the modifications, right? I well, mean, if you're just that... turbocharger or supercharger on something, and you know doing some minimum wide body modifications, uh, different than a a, a full on modified you know, resto mod, as some people call them.
0: Well, that, um, yeah, you're talking about the Corvette custom convertible lot number 1367, I guess, at Barrett-Jackson, went for $1.1 million.
1: That would be the one.
0: But the thing is, is the guy guy on the Facebook post who can spend 10 grand more and get this 1,000 horsepower Corvette, he's not getting it from Chip Foose. He's not getting it from Will Posey. He's not getting it from Troy Trepanier. He's not getting it from Von Dutch. He's getting it from the guy who built it in his Morton building in his backyard. And God only knows what the modifications are to it and how it was done and what the reliability is and the safety and the quality. And that's kind of more of what I'm talking about. I would rather spend 40 grand on that stock Corvette and put another 10 grand into it to make it into that 1,000 horsepower vehicle because then I know what the hell's been done to it. I'm not gonna go spend 10 grand more on somebody else's mess. Uh, It's a completely abstract, but it's very similar when I bought my 1980 Ford Courier. It was modified with a Buick 231 V6, turbocharged, all this other stuff, step side bed. It wasn't the greatest vehicle in the world. But man, that truck was a nightmare to have because you didn't know what the hell was done to it or even how to fix it. Or even my VA to Zuzu. I had somebody else build it for me. And then we had a falling out. So I had no idea. There was no wiring diagram. There was no, you know, vacuum hose routing. There was nothing. You just had to learn it. And I think that's that's more what I'm talking about when we're buying. Modified vehicles and looking at well, I could get a thousand horsepower, or I could get this body kit, or I could get these wheels. I mean, there's certain things that it's worth paying a little bit more because you know you buy a say a Grand Sport with wheels for forty five thousand dollars instead of forty, especially if the stock wheels are thrown in. That's a hell of a deal because you can't buy a set of HRES for five grand. But the overall thing is. I think buying, thinking that it's a better value to pay a little bit more for a modified car that's been modified by somebody who you cannot go back to, i.e. a reputable business, somebody who's been in existence for years and years and years and will actually acknowledge you just because this car, say, we'll take a five liter Mustang, was built by this guy's buddy who has owned this repair shop for 40 years that's one thing eh, was that guy's buddy gonna give you the same service that he gave you know the guy that had the car built probably not if you have something built by a reputable builder i mean if you bought one second hand or third hand i'm guessing he he's the kind of guy that would go back and service it for you or help take care of it but to say I'm going to pay a little bit more for this car because it has a thousand horsepower, or like again, like I said, body kit or certain things, I think is a mistake. It's always been a mistake to me. Uh, I learned my lesson with it, and it's one reason a lot of the stuff that I buy anymore is stock. It is not a modified vehicle, is because it's repairable, and it's more easily repairable even going through restoration take the cunningham c3 continental coupe that i restored when i got that car when it was dropped off at the shop it was unloaded there was a car with wheels and that it would roll around motor was in it but everything else all the trim pieces all you know all the interior all the dumped into the interior And what was the hardest part of that car? You had to put the damn thing together before you took it apart to know what you were missing. So you didn't start restoring it and then you go, well, I got to put this piece of trim on or I got to put this in there. And then you go, wait a second, this doesn't quite work because body work you did doesn't fit. And then you've got to order a piece or find a piece or in the Cunningham C3 that I did, it didn't come with a front seat. And we ended up finding another shop out of New England that was doing a, a C3. They shipped us front seats. And the metal worker at the restoration shop that I was at, Thayton Ogle, I think we both kind of know. I know Thayton. Thayton. I think kind of do. On the show. <laughs> and I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> I, I won't be on that show. But, <laughs> oh, okay. You know, he was able to replicate that needed to really have that seat before we did a lot of the floor modification work or the created the door panels or figured you know figured out a lot of that. And the problem you've got to have a starting point and if you buy somebody else's project that's why it's always 90% complete. I'm going to sell it and then 5 years later it's still 90% complete and that person's going to sell it because they don't know where to start. They don't You know, it doesn't seem that far away. Again, this goes back to, you know, 90% done means means 90% of the work needs to be done. The last 10% of the job is 90% of the job. And I just don't, it's just one of those little statements that irritated me. And what I found amazing in this group, and it's a group that's called, I think, I Know What I Have. And because I know what I have, and I'm going to charge you this much money for it. And they were kind of insulting. Yeah, maybe 40K for a 06 grand with 20 some odd thousand miles is a little bit too much. But the comparison to say it's too much because I can buy this for a little bit more is you're not comparing apples to apples. You know, it's like saying I can buy a apples for 40 grand or I can buy a bushel of caramel apples for 40 grand.
1: Well, you definitely mm-hmm. take the caramel apples. I mean,
0: i can't stand caramel apples (laughs) oh my my stock apples damn it (laughs) so
1: so wait john are are you saying that it comes down also to personal preference yes oh wow okay i didn't i didn't know if that would
0: or not some people okay we'll go back to the beginning of the show some people like very kinky things in the bedroom some people like very vanilla things in the bedroom If you want to self-abuse yourself by getting a vehicle somebody else's played with, fine. If you want something that's straight out of the box, you know what you're getting, fine. What we say on here is my opinion is your opinion does not reflect any potential advertisers, listeners, or anything to do with, you know, with the show. These are our opinions, thoughts on the subject which is a good thing to say, and probably should be a disclaimer, at least at the beginning of the show.
1: Somewhere, yeah. Beginning, middle, and end.
0: Uh, it's yeah. probably got to be at the beginning so somebody doesn't li- listen halfway through and go, wait a second.
1: That's why you do a beginning, middle, and end. That way, no matter where they come in, uh, we got ourselves covered. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time, John and I don't agree. So, I mean, that's one of the things that you know, show so good.
0: Let me the same track. And ask this question. Well, same track, but different track.
1: Ooh, we're talking we're about kind of a little now. junction.
0: And this goes again to ours and values. This question came to mind, and and I didn't look at a lot of auction results. I didn't see what the average sale-through rate in Arizona was. Do you know what that was offhand? Nope. You've learned one thing do.
1: about me, John. I don't really pay attention to the auctions. Not as much as I should, I guess.
0: Well, they don't auction the kind of stuff you're into anymore.
1: Yeah, most of them don't.
0: There's there's a few
1: ones coming up. I don't have the money to buy anything, but
0: Mr Ninety seven percent in twenty twenty. This was a prediction article. I don't want a prediction.
1: This is the cool thing about being live streaming again. Yes, you get to see us do the research.
0: Well, the sometimes moment. the research just pops up. Exactly. Now, Barrett because Jackson. You never know what
1: we're going to talk about?
0: Say Barrett Jackson has a hundred percent sell through rate because they don't do reserves yeah exactly um for some reason that all of this here
1: uh, too- weren't you and you were gonna you were to look up the average
0: yeah i was trying to look at the average of all of them because 100 yeah. percent for barrett-jackson doesn't work for me right uh, obviously because it, it's always a big big number or it's always a number that's heavily highlighted Except, for the except, one year that you except the year that you don't want to look it up, which okay. probably lends to uh, what I want to say. Let's see here: the Arizona included Sunday after twenty seven hundred twenty four cars were offered over seven days to the tune of two hundred forty four point eight million. The dollar amount exceeded the twenty twenty three figure and tw- well twenty three hundred and seventy five cars sold. So it's four. Is that like an 80%, 85% sell-through rate? Uh, I think so. Down. And that's what my question is. We had these years, 2020, 2021, possibly even into 2022, where we had these massive car values, exceptional car values. And now the sales have decreased a little bit. Even though the dollar figures might be up a little bit, is it because these people that bought at the height of the market can't afford to sell because they paid too much two years ago. And the question is, are we artificially inflating the value of collector cars right now? Because the only things selling are the people that either can afford to take the loss or the people that are actually making back kind of what they overpaid during the pandemic.
1: I think my opinion on this, John, (laughs) but my many years, not just this year or the recent, say, two to three years has been that there are companies out there, both in the auction world and other sectors of the antique and collectible car world that have been inflating the value of collector cars for many, many, many years. Or personal game uh it's i think we've talked about this on many shows there's different areas of the collector car world and one of those is that it has become a purely business relationship for certain people and although they may have started out with a passion for automobiles and still have car collections they don't look at them the same as most of the collector car world and they're solely in it for the money inflating the value of the car and selling it at a a a, a gain to them from what they paid on and, and this is there are there are companies out there that are trying very hard to take over a lot of sectors of the collector car community to make that even easier
0: what you said we've touched on we've never dove into it on the show and i do want to dive into it on the show but uh, one of the things in researching that potential show or i guess watching a lot of these key figureheads i'll say are no longer the people in charge they have done their cash out uh to put it in dirty dirty terms, they cashed out. Uh, nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think unfortunate nature of capitalism. Nothing wrong with capitalism. But these figureheads that are still, you know, their names are attached to these companies. No longer them. The companies are shareholders. And if anything we know as capitalist Americans is it doesn't matter as long as this year's numbers are better than last year's numbers. And I have heard that some of these shareholders are questioning why some of these businesses are in these, I know what word I want to use, there's just not a chance in the hell I'm going to pronounce it correctly, these extra businesses that they have, or these sideshow businesses they have. Why do they have them? They serve to them no purpose. Because again, it's the investors who understand nothing about the product of the company that they're investing in but they all they understand is greater than and less than and unfortunately we could get into a whole conversation about that and all kinds of industries but part of what i'm i guess this, to sum up what i'm saying is the figureheads and the people whose names that are attached to these businesses why we want to say so and so why are they buying all this why are they doing all of this well they do all the acquisition to increase the portfolio to sell the business or make the business go public and then the the shareholders buy in and then start running the company and start questioning why some of the actions took place so it's a complicated thing but yes when it really comes down to it there are a lot of people in the collector car industry that are doing things that are ethically incorrect uh if you really really dove into it and if the electric car age uh hobby was regulated as close as other hobbies i think do you understand or follow
1: <laughs> true, i agree true. i agree so it, it, and and again although maybe some of us in the field you know because i think we have to understand that there's different sectors to this hobby profession All of that, right? So to some people, this, you know, the the collector car world, the antique car world, hobby, right? You just, you have your cars, you know, you you go to work every day. It's not connected to the auto industry. You come home, but you love cars. So you have one or two, uh, you know, and and you like driving around, going out, going to shows, doing that stuff. So, you know, there is the, the hobby part of this. There's the various professions within the collector car world, and there are businesses within this, right? There's, there's, as Jeff, uh, as John says,
0: please don't call me Jeffy, any other name in the world. I don't know how
1: too many words trying to come out at one time, but there's, there's various businesses. I mean, there's, there's restoration shops, there's, you know, maintenance, just mechanical upkeep of sports collector cars. Uh, all the way up to the businesses that you know, the auction houses the insurance companies the the sectors of this it it does become part of you know capitalism within America and there are businesses around it and I don't think John or I are saying that's a bad thing because we basically both work within the profession that has developed around antique and collector cars both having been in the museum field for a long time both delving into the restoration worlds and things like that so but what it comes down to at least for me is honesty and ethics within what you're doing and as john says yes it's it's part of capitalism and and good for some of those people that have made a you know great business out of collector cars and have have made a decent you know living out of it and, and made money out. Of it. But when I think when you cross the borderline into doing things unethically or solely for the idea of, oh, we can make the profit and loss sheets look better and better year after year and and we can make more money by manipulating this end of the the, the you know collector car world to be able to make it that we're in, make more money, that's when things get just a little too out of sorts for me and that's just my ethical belief in how you should operate a business or you know be involved in something like i don't you know in some cases some of these companies are going to do more damage to the collector car hobby by doing some of the things they're doing than doing good for the hobby and the profession
0: and there's a lot of Fingers, And I could expand a lot more on that, but I don't really don't want to go down that that rabbit hole today.
1: Yeah, um, I don't think we're definitely needs to be
0: hole. a thought out, well-researched and semi-scripted episode. I hate saying that, but there's so much danger. Um, have to have your errors and omissions insurance policies and stuff in place just in case you slip and say something wrong because it's almost impossible to talk about this without saying names, but it's going to have to be done without saying names, but people will know. People will know the names. I believe uh, even a fairly famous podcaster, automotive podcaster uh, that I've talked to recently, uh, one of his ads previously on his show was about his car insurance company. And how he left a different car insurance company because he was questioning whether or not they were a car insurance company. And that's a paid post-red ad on another podcast. So I think I can say that. But what else do we want to talk about? Let's get this fun again, Derek. Let's talk about collector cars. Are you doing anything cool in your shop or anything with your toys? I,
1: You know, I'm, I'm, pardon me, I am still recovering out of bronchitis at the beginning of the year. It is ridiculous um
0: nothing better than going out in the garage and metal
1: well yeah that's true um <laughs> i was i actually did that a couple weeks ago surprisingly so no I'm, I'm trying to get you know the over the winter time here uh we've some of the house projects so not a lot of time out in the shop so I'm, I'm starting now it's warming up getting back out to the shop getting things set up and uh you know for many reasons we will be discussing on the in the near future, uh, but getting things set up, getting some stuff moved around, trying to get to uh, work on breathing life back into the cars for this, you know, season. Let's call it. So they've been sitting up dinner A couple of them need some work. You know, got to get things back ready to get on the road. So getting ready to dive into all of that, and uh, also, as John and I have talked about, and John well knows, um, you know, some of the things that are coming. Up be discussing on the podcast in the near future, Um, hopefully within the next month or so, the studio, the the area I podcast from will look a little different. Maybe there won't be a brick wall and uh, one of my wife's lovely uh, paintings that she acquired hanging behind me but rather a, a more appropriate no-driving-gloves background uh, behind me. So trying to get a, a newer studio set up as well during this out in the shop. So I'm, I'm trying to do a lot, John. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: I know the feeling. I doing doing a lot. I play with these fake backgrounds. I don't know how my studio is going to develop for the background. I bought some cool stuff to hang on the wall and stuff behind a lot of stuff there. I bought some cool things to hang on the wall, try to maybe make this a little bit more appropriate. And like Derek said, we're going to make some announcements about our personal lives and the show going forward. We believe No Driving Gloves is going to be be here. We really like the idea of going back live as we pre-announce the shows In that it's great to have everybody in the studio with us. Um, I'm even contemplating that no, as you share out like i said you you share and tag us you know just take no driving gloves and whatever how it whenever you share these shows uh name will get entered into a, a hat for uh what do i want to say that that amazon gift card or maybe we'll even give you a chance to get a no driving gloves coffee mug hey john i got one of those yeah, yeah yours comes up better because you don't use this background that wants to delete the mug because it's not yeah yeah so i'll show mine
1: (laughs) that way everybody can actually see what it looks like
0: (laughs) yeah and we'll give you a choice between the the card and the mug and i'm also thinking that you know maybe we'll go ahead and start randomly selecting people on our mailing list and the mailing list link will be on the website to appear on the show we'll just say hey we're recording it tonight, uh, Thursday night, such and such a time. You want to be on the show? Here's the link. Show up if you want. And actually get you on here doing some live commentary. Throwing a wrench into things. Uh, oh, don't John, always, you know what?
1: Wait, you know what we should, button, we should do? You know what we should do? Let's take our mailing list. Okay, when I get the new studio set up in the garage, in the, uh, out in the shop, we'll, we'll put the mailing list on a big, like, dartboard. And then we can literally, like, I can throw a wrench at the dartboard, see whose dress it hits. And that's that's who we have on the show.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say that when you get it all set up, we would pick somebody and you would fly them to your studio and they could hang out with you and do the show.
1: As, as long as the you no know, driving gloves uh, business checking account has the money in it, we can do that. And if I remember right, you're in charge of that checking account, so.
0: Yeah, it was you can send a infusion into the company. (laughs) and (laughs) So right now we're just doing mugs, video guest spots, and looking forward to this live show. We want you to share it. Instead, you tag us in it. Uh, Well, we might even reshare your share, but you'll be entered into a contest to get a couple of bucks for watching us we really want to grow listeners we really want to since we seem to talk about a lot of these topics in advance that end up showing up in the automotive world we really want to be there for you and we really want we really want people to know we were first i'll be honest i'm conceited like that yes you are yeah we all know that yes there's no doubt about it i may or may not have another podcast on that but we've got some announcements coming up uh like i said we're going to do a test live stream on november 22nd most likely, uh, watch for the pre announcements on uh, social media. And uh, hey, with what that, day did you
1: just say, John?
0: Is it November? Tw- I said November. How about February 22nd?
1: How about February? I got to pull a calendar up here. Yeah, February. 22nd. Yeah, how about February 22nd? Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I thought you were in November.
1: Uh, I was, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So, test show the 22nd, maybe another pop up on the 25th, because we're, we're going to record then. And then balls to the wall on Leap Day.
1: Twang. We're going yeah. <coughs> to, what we're saying is, we're going to leap right into this.
0: Yes. An, I was trying to think of another word for leap year, but I don't know. But I know uh, Puck's Titani Phil, you know, saw a shadow. And the reason he did that is so he back down into his hole and watched No Driving Gloves for the next four years. Exactly something like that that could be cruelty to animals anything to wrap it up Derek, or i'm gonna scoot it on down the road
1: well uh is it is it too many taglines if we both do something at the end because if i'm like you know don't forget help us grow share the show then you maybe
0: maybe we could uh just randomly one of us do one at, at the end
1: that's a good idea alternate it right yeah
0: or we could end up wrapping it up into the clothes but i don't know But like you said, help us grow, share the show, or do we want to get off our ass, burn some gas? Either way, I'm out.